Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come join us at 10.30am every Sunday. Mr. Watmore, pray for him. Lord, we thank you for your presence with us this morning. Thank you that you are with us, Lord. You are for us. And you've just been speaking to us so clearly this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing love, your amazing faithfulness, and your amazing patience with us. We just pray for Dave now that you would bless him, you would anoint him to bring us your words. Give us ears to hear and open hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I uh, am very hopeful that the... um, the pro presenter will work, because <laughs> otherwise I've got to change tack and do something else. Um, it's working. Excellent. I've got to stand closer to the camera. I'm normally told to stop waving my arms around in get, because they get on the camera up here. But now I've got to stand closer. Okay. Uh, I was given the wonderful title to speak on of God's wrath. I, I feel your expectation and joy at that. However, in my version of the Bible, it doesn't say that. I read from the New Living Translation. But if we could just put up the, the scripture, which is Colossians 3, 6, 7, and 8, that would be great. Bless you. Do we need to pray for you, Angela? That's all right. It says, Because of these, thing, these sins, that is, immorality, sexual immorality, Let me start again from five. I'll read that. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming, or the wrath of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behaviour, slander and dirty language. And don't lie to each other. Now, so there you are. They they give me the best ones. I I guess I didn't have to do the one on the sex talk, but I get the wrath of God. So there you go. It's all fairly shared out on these things. Is everybody okay for hearing me? I'm a little bit echoey, but... Okay, I'll carry on. I, I want to explain how, how we stand when, um, uh, in, in God on these things. Because uh, if I could have my first picture up, that would be fantastic. When we, when we come to, to God uh, in life, we get, we get prangs. Some are worse than others. I had to take my car in for a, uh, an MOT a few months ago, and it's, you know, it's a relatively new car, but it's, it needed its MOT. And it failed it because I had a bald tyre. You know, just because the, the cloth is coming through the tyre, you know, it's normally pretty good for set, driving at 90 miles an hour or whatever, you know. But quite rightly... I needed to change those tyres because it didn't pass its MOT. 
And when we stand before God, we are having that MOT. And if you are a Christian, you stand before him and you stand perfect. But when you are not, that is when all those things are revealed. That wrath of God, that judgment of God is there. It's a hard thing to say, but it's important that people understand it. They're, but the thing is that there is an alternative. I use these, I use, um, these pictures of Mercedes because I, I work for a German company based in, in Stuttgart, so it's kind of close to my heart. I don't have a Mercedes, I, but I, no, I shouldn't cover it. It says here. <laughs> I shouldn't do that. I, well, the, the Porsche use our, our factory as, as their car park, and you hear the wonderful vroom, vroom, vroom coming from our car park, and they, everybody thinks it's their directors, but it isn't. It's because the Porsche factory, a mile and a half down the road, uses our car park to put all their excess cars there. Anyway, that's a very much an aside. If, I can, if you could just make the next picture, it would be great. So... When you come to Christ, you come with a new car. Please forgive my, my analogies. It's a, these things are poor, but I'm trying to explain the gospel and God's things in a way that we can all relate to, I hope. We're not changing God's word. We're just simply using tools that we have to explain these things. So this is a Mercedes Maybach, which is the top-of-the-range, top-of-the-range car. When you come to Christ, he gives you a new heart. He takes your heart of stone and he gives you a heart of flesh. Your heart is no longer deceitful. It is a heart of flesh. It is open to God. It is open to having a relationship with him. And there is now no judgment for your sin. It is for the things that you have done. And I, uh, I have a company car and it normally should be used for about three years and then I have to get a new lease car and, and it's traded in. Uh, but because of the pandemic, I said, okay, we didn't know where business was going to go, so I extended it. Anyway, I'm going to get a new car. Uh, in, but I've got to wait another seven and a half months because that's the delivery time. One of the things I really like about my last, my, my current car is I've got heated seats. Has anybody here got heated seats in there? Oh, if you haven't, they're lovely. Maria, one day, heated seats. <laughs> they're just amazing. My family, they don't care about my car, about how much, you know, what tax I pay on it or the, the consumption of it or anything like that. Dad, has it got... Heated front seats. Yes, okay. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. And it is wonderful. You put them on and you just relax. You feel wonderfully warm. You don't put it on in the summer because you get into a cold sweat. But, you know, please keep with my, my analogy. When you come to Christ, you don't have heated seats. You have the mercy seat. The mercy seat is something that you will never leave in your walk with Christ. He, his mercy seat is always there for you. It is where you are forgiven. 
It is where you are cleansed. And you don't, you do have to engage with God. So where my heated seats, I have to press the button for it to warm up. When you get in your spiritual, your new spiritual car and you come to your mercy seat, you don't have to press a button. You just say, Lord, I'm here. Forgive me for the things I've done wrong. It doesn't mean that you... So I, I, I got my car cleaned yesterday because I've got some German visitors coming over for the first time. So it was really nice and clean when I left Buxton. By the time I got home, it had splatters all over it. Life is like that. And God has made provision for us to deal with that. We might have this wonderful Maybach car, but there are still things that we bring into life. We screw up. We say we lose our temper, we use bad words or whatever. But we come to the mercy seat and we say, Lord, forgive me. Clean me up. He sees his son driving the car. But this, you know, let's, let's be honest. There are, we don't all come in to the kingdom of God in different places. Hannah has just passed her test fantastically, I'm sure. But she's not so... I mean, have you ever driven in London? No? There's, a, there's, there's an experience for you to enjoy. I learned to drive in London because that's where I was brought up and I learned during the, the 1980s rail strikes, I learned how to drive, how to drive straight ahead and just ignore the black cabs who were trying to knock me off the road. You know, I just drove straight. In, in our Christian walk, we need to learn. We don't come from the same place. So we do need that mercy seat to help us where we make mistakes. We learn to bring Jesus into our lives and be the, the driver with us. I hope my analogy is, is helpful for you. However, there are times when we try to be, uh, we try to uh, do things a little bit more for God because we want to be seen to be really good people. Can I have the, just the next picture? I'm calling this, it, this is from Pimp My Ride, I'm calling this Pimp My Salvation, which some of you might be offended with, but I, to be honest, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> when we try to do things in our own strength, when we try to do things to build ourselves up, to raise our profile, to make us feel good, we are putting the sparkles on the Mercedes, on the wonderful salvation that God has given us. And we think that we look like that. We think we look the bee's knees, the pimped up ride. But actually, if I can have the next picture, this is how God sees us. That is how God sees our good works, as it says. In Isaiah it says, as I'm sure you know, it says, our good works are like filthy rags. Well, I'm slightly changing that. Our good works are like bits of cardboard on our salvation. Bits of foil on the, on the wheels. And when you drive off, can you imagine driving that off at 40 miles an hour? It just goes away. It is worthless. It says in the Bible that 
those, those things that we do to make ourselves a higher profile will be burnt up like straw. They will be burnt up like pieces of cardboard on a nice Mercedes car, if that is helpful for you. So I would say, I'm giving you uh, the challenge of a, a spiritual MOT this morning. So let's just, let's just pray, Lord. If there are things, Lord, that we feel uh, we are doing to build ourselves up, to make ourselves feel, may earn our salvation, Father, I just pray we come to the mercy seat and ask for your forgiveness. Cleanse us, Lord, and take us back to the heart of worship because it is all about you, Jesus. Amen. And if you, so if you feel that there's some things, you need to bring those to God. That mercy seat is never taken out of your car. It's always there. It will be there for eternity. And it's a place where there is forgiveness. There is a place where there is great joy to find that freedom in Christ. That is... I've had a, I've had a very difficult week both at home and abroad. I come to that mercy seat. So this has really helped me this week. I've come to the mercy seat and asked for his forgiveness, for his help, for that, that relationship with him. And I rejoice in that. Um, I wasn't sure whether I've got time. Have I got time to do part two? I think perhaps I have. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is how do we see the gospel? Um, people very often think that, well, it's the gospel is good news. That's what it means. It means good news. Um, how, my, how many people have had some good news in the last month? God, you all lead wretched lives, don't you? Yeah, I know some. <laughs> Abby agreed with the wretched lives, I think. <laughs> Anyone got any good news? Steve? Yeah, my youngest daughter is Fantastic. Any, anybody else? Pam? No. Yeah, no. Anybody else? Yes, Ian. I'm now allowed to drive. That's great. <laughs> which, which one? No, you're going to drive the nice Mercedes, my buck, aren't you? Fantastic. That is good news. Anybody else? Yes, Pam. Pam. Excellent. Excellent. Now, these are really, really good stories. These are things that warm our hearts. But, to be honest, it's not making a difference to my life. Maybe if I go and visit Anne, it would do. Or maybe if I get an invite from Steve's daughter for the wedding, that would be great. It's not earth-changing, is it? They're great things. I'm not disparaging those. Um, let me just try to give you an illustration because I, I prayed about this and I was like, oh, how do I explain what the good news is of God? And uh, God said to me, uh, the 8th of May, 1945. Does anyone know what the 8th of May, what the significance is of that? Dave's? VED. Well, you're right, but you're wrong also. It's actually, it was my dad's 16th birthday. That's... <laughs> 
My dad wrote his, his, I call them memoirs for want of a better, it's, it sounds very grand, it was about three, three A4 pages of his time in the war. So my dad in 1939 was 10, and his brother was 8. And they, uh, my, my grandfather worked for um, Bermondsey Borough Council, which if any of you know in London is right by the docks, by the Thames. And at that time it, was a very, it would have been one of the busiest ports in certainly in the UK, maybe even in Europe. And they'd gone off to uh, Shanklin on the Isle of Wight for their holiday, and uh, this was the first holiday they had ever been able to afford, because my granddad had got a, um, a, a promotion. And after one week in the, in, on holiday, my granddad got a... Uh, he was going to say an email. That would have been amazing, wouldn't it? <laughs> he got a telegram probably uh, to the to the uh, boarding house where they were staying to say that he had to cut his holiday short because we were going to be at war. This is in July t- um, 1939, so before the war had been declared. So they had to come home because my granddad worked as an electrician for the borough council and he had to start the preparations because they were expecting bombs to fall on that area. Immediately, even before war was declared, my, my dad, who was 10, and my uncle, who was 8, they were, they were sent away uh, by, the, by the authorities um, to the south coast so that they were safe. And uh, when they, they were put into private homes, that's what uh, evacuation meant it meant that you were put children were put into people's homes and people had no choice they were paid a little bit of money but they were put in these homes in these families and they had to get on with it uh my my my, my dad and my uncle were separated so you can imagine an eight-year-old um being put into into that position my uncle was so upset and homesick he he went he got somehow got on a train uh, up to Northamptonshire. He didn't he had no idea where that was. The authorities said, this child, or one of the guys in the authorities said, this child is a delinquent because he won't do as he's told. I mean, for goodness sake, an eight-year-old. When they, when they went, when my grandparents went to see my dad, they, they gave him a bath in a tin bath and they saw he was covered in flea bites from head to toe. They took him out. They said, this is not a place for the for our child to stay. But then they, war was declared and they had to go into, uh, to, they went to uh, Devon in the end. They saw their parents twice a year, Christmas and one week in the summer. The rest of the time they were with these various families. I think they moved about 20 different times to different families. Um, because they were from London and not locals, they were bullied by the local lads. My uncle, although he was younger than my dad, always uh, stood up for my dad because my uncle is about as tall as I am, in fact slightly taller, and my dad is shorter. My dad's more the geeky guy and my uncle was the uh, more athletic guy. So he would punch people's faces in if they are set on my my dad. Uh, They they were put into places where people had their children and then the, the husband was taken away to war and then they had to look after this mother who just had a baby. When, when the school found out that, they were moved to another place. There were time and time again they had difficulties 
And the worst thing was that they were separated from their parents. And on my dad's memoirs, it says that after a few months, after a few years, probably in 1944, they had started to get used to that separation from their parents. Because they, they'd grown up in their teenage years without parents. They had a school context, but there were no parents. Then uh, things started to get better. And as I say, on the 8th of May, 1945, my dad's 16th birthday, uh, the end of the war was declared. And he says that um, my grandmother took him and my uncle up to Trafalgar Square to see what was going on. They saw the people, the, the, the servicemen, dancing in the, in the fountains, drinking far too much, no doubt, celebrating this good news. If you can just put the, put the next slide up. The, the good news is that Jesus can save you. <clears throat> the, uh, uh, the newspapers said victory. The good news of that day changed people's lives. It changed my dad and my uncle's life. They didn't have to go back to all these evacuated families. They didn't have to go and suffer the, the bullying from local people. They didn't have to suffer the separation from their parents any longer. That was good news. That is what changed many people's lives. If I can have the next one. This is what the good news is. I've put a really rubbish thing I've made, but I'm not that creative. The daily news. The message of the gospel is that he is risen. He's died for our sins, but he is risen. And we have eternal life. Not because of anything we've done. We're all like that bent up first picture, the bent up car that I showed. That's how we really are. But God sees us as the perfect son that he has uh, asked to die for our sins. We are, have the great privilege of living in that good of that. That is the good news. You see, we don't... You, the, people think that the gospel is, is like um, a self-help book. It's not. It's not a self-help book. It's not a rule of life. Yes, if I live this way, I should be a good boy. No, that's the cardboard on the car when you try to do that. You think you've pimped your salvation. You've made a mess of it, really. Actually, what we have is something pure and beautiful. So, uh, should we just stand? I'll read you one scripture, which... This is 2 Peter, if we got that, that could come up. Sorry, 1 Peter, 
2. The part I shall, uh, shall read is... So get rid of all evil behaviour. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. I think we had a prophetic word about that. Crying out for the nourishment of God when Hannah brought that beautiful illustration this morning so that she wouldn't fall out, fall over. Lord, we cry out for your nourishment now that we have had a taste of the Lord's kindness and I think I'll just skip on to uh, verse 9 but you are not like that you are a chosen people you are royal priests a holy nation God's very own possession and as a result you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. There is a call, if you want to have that this morning, to come from that darkness into his wonderful light. I've given you this picture of this, you know, this damaged old car. He gives you the salvation car where there is that mercy seat that you can recline in says rest you know to be resting in in Christ you are seated in Christ it's not a heated car seat it is the mercy seat where there is forgiveness and freedom and joy that can come so Lord we just pray Father thank you if we know you Lord then I thank you Lord that we have been taken out of darkness and into your beautiful light, Lord. And I pray if people don't know you, Lord, this morning they will come to that place, Lord God, where they can experience your mercy, your undeserved kindness, that is really good news. It is not self-help. It is something you have achieved for us. And we receive that now in Jesus' name. We receive your message. If you don't know, if you don't know Jesus and you want to pray that, let me just pray this and at the end of it, just in your heart, just say Amen. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you. I want to exchange my old life for your new salvation life. I want to know your forgiveness. And help me to forgive others as you have forgiven me too, Lord. I pray that you will clean me up and I will have that wonderful relationship with you. That I will know my destiny is to have eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen.